Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, we actually have a repeat guest on the podcast. Please welcome Tim Reister. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Jeremy. I said that last time because you like that. Good to be back. <laughs> Appreciate it. Tim is the Chief Strategy Officer at Corporate Visions, and they are a marketing, sales, and customer success training and consulting company. Ordinarily, I would say Tim would be the the last person I would have had as a repeat guest. And the reason is, is that I have all these kind of red flags of people I don't like to have on the podcast. And one is authors, because so many of them aren't operating and are sort of pontificating and, and offering opinions that are not fact-based and, and data-tested. The other is that he works for a sales training and consulting company, which is also a red flag for me. <laughs> uh, but what makes Tim special and why he's a repeat guest here is the books he writes are pretty incredible in a few ways. One is he is actively operating and selling. And then the second piece of it is that his books are extremely data-driven. In fact, we're going to talk today about a book, which again is super unusual. And we're going to talk about his latest book called The Expansion Sale. And it's four must-win conversations to keep and grow your customers. So we're going to go through those. Since we're going to talk book, I'm not going to ask you about your favorite book. Plus, you did that last time. So I'd love to ask you a different question, which is, what's the first thing that you remember selling in your life? This is going to date me a little bit, actually. Uh, newspapers. I was a newspaper delivery boy back in the day when that was still a thing and a safe thing to do. We were the ones that carried the bag over our shoulder, and we would stick it in a box or open your front door and drop it in. Um, I literally got ran over and bitten by two dogs during my newspaper career. So I still have a little sensitivity and fear there, but uh, they don't let the kids do that much anymore. You have every newspaper boy cliche going on in there. I love it. Let's dive into these four conversations that help you uh, win and keep customers. So the four conversations, just to frame it out, and we'll go through each one of them and some of the findings that you did in partnership with your academic partner. The four are renewals, price increases, upsells, and apologies. And from reading the book, I know we're going to go through some of the language and messaging, but also some of the timing and, and a few other factors. So let's start with renewals. And why did you choose? I mean, you could order those, I guess, in any order, but why did you choose to start with renewal conversations first? Well, we just kind of concluded 10 years of promoting the power of a provocative, insight-driven message because we'd done original research back in the day on that as well. We called it the why change message. And what we were able to show is that if you want to dislodge and displace an incumbent, you had to be disruptive and differentiated and tell a provocative story. Well, more and more customers are coming to us saying, hey, listen, and this is nothing new to you, Jeremy, but I mean, hey, we have recurring revenue. We have subscriptions. We're trying to move all our business this direction. We have this moment called renewals. And hey, should we use the same approach? So how this usually happens for us is somebody asks us a good question like that. And when we don't know the answer and don't have data, I should say, for the answer, we don't like guessing anymore. Once you get into the data game, you, you have a really hard time just guessing and offering um, opinions. So we'll always say, well, I'm going to hypothesize. And the problem is we had no answer for that because all of a sudden we were thinking, wait a minute, it's a different game. On the one hand, you're trying to dislodge, disrupt, and defeat status quo bias, but now you are the status quo bias. So we thought, huh, we should actually test that. 
So we went in and built simulations with uh, Dr. Zach Tormala at Stanford and Dr. Nick Lee at Warwick Business School, who you mentioned, who is uh, our co-author on the book, and put people into simulations, would-be B2B buyers into simulated environments where we tested different types of messages at the moment of renewal. And then we did some behavioral outcomes type, intensity type measures to see how interested they were, how willing they were, et cetera, et cetera. And what we tested was at the moment of renewal, would people be more interested in a renewal if they heard that provocative, insight-driven message that's all about the new stuff? Hey, we found some new needs in the last two years of our partnership, and we built these new capabilities, so we want to try this new thing with you. Versus another approach that reinforced the concept of status quo bias. And there are, are there are very specific causes of status quo bias. So in the one case, you're always trying to defeat those causes. We thought, let's build a message that actually defends or reinforces those causes. Because maybe um, when you are the status quo bias, you shouldn't be disrupting it. So we built something we then called the why stay framework to try and compete against the why change framework. So the, the messaging for why change that is like those new needs and and new features and whatever it is new value propositions so that where's where you use the why change and that's super successful when you are trying to win new business historically mm-hmm. and you wanted to test that out here on renewals and then the uh the sort of alternative here is the why stay which was again like your initial hypothesis which is to reinforce the status quo did i get that right yeah absolutely and it's funny because we were like, wow, let's see what happens. I'll be honest, our scientists were kind of like, uh, we think we know what's going to happen. <laughs> they, they were like, you know, status quo bias has been proven and over and over again for like 40 years. So we're going to put our money on why stay. But we had all this hype around why change and provocation and insight and success that we were like, uh, we'll see. Because honestly, people were believing that customers wanted to have all of this provocation foisted on them. And uh, so that's why we did the study. Yeah. And and salespeople definitely do that, right? As they want at the renewal time, they want to tell you about all the, not only the things that they've done for you over the course of the past, whatever subscription period, let's say year, but they want to tell you and entice you with all the new stuff that's coming in the next year, right? We looked at the presentation decks for renewals. We work with about 250 different companies every year. And honest to goodness, it's almost like they felt like, gee, they must be bored with us. We got to lead with the new stuff. So they did like they front load renewal decks with all the new stuff thinking, gee, this is how we're going to win the business is to make sure that customers know we got a bunch of new stuff. Tell us a little bit about the actual research study. And you mentioned it was simulated as opposed to like actual renewal observations. Right. So yeah, talk a little bit about the experimental design and the findings, but also if you could address that elephant in the room, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, there's really three levels of studies we like to do. One is we comb the existing scientific research out there that's done by the professionals and published in very rigorous academic journals. And that's where you find 40 years of status quo bias research and dozens of studies But I always joke that those studies have been conducted on primarily undergraduates, gamblers, and convicts because they're captive audiences and you pay them very little to be in experiments. So the next tier above is to create a simulated environment where you then recruit would-be business-to-business buyers, but you put them into a singular scenario. So it's not an actual deal, but it's as close as you can get where you recruit people who fit the profile 
and say, hey, you've been in working with this vendor for two years. The premise was it was an HR benefits enrollment system. And you had the goal of enrolling 80% of your employees. You were only at 20%. After two years, you've achieved half that goal. You now have 50% of your employees enrolled. And now you're going to be hearing from your vendor at the two-year mark to pitch you on renewing this uh, software. We didn't want to make the results a slam dunk because it's too easy to renew. So we were like, hey, what if the results only got you halfway to goal? Then you have some debate in your mind as to whether this is a proven vendor, a, a solid renewal, et cetera. We recruit people then who fit a buying profile. They're business professionals, college educated, their gender demographic and their age demographic uh, split the way we might see in, in the B2B world. And then we bring them in and we split them into the groups. After telling them the scenario, and I just gave you a snippet of it, we then put them in a scenario where they're hearing the pitch. So they listen to and watch a recorded pitch. And it's usually just voiceover with on-screen animation, kind of like a web conference might be nowadays. One group watches one, one group watches the other, and then they're all asked the same questions. How likely are you to renew? How willing are you to partner for the next two years? How interested are you in seeking competitive offers to compare? And we ask a bunch of questions and they and rate that on a scale of one to nine in terms of intensity. And then basically we compare the responses across, uh, in this case, we ran the Why Stay study three times just to make sure these results were accurate and right and consistent. So we've had almost 2,000 of these people go through it. So almost 1,000 in each of these scenarios, right? One on each side. So we feel really good about the results. Now, since then, three years ago, this first study was done, we then are able to go in and apply this with our clients and do field trials and start to see, are their renewal numbers changing? The hard thing about starting with field trials is you have to control for so many variables that it's hard to get data that is unassailable. In these simulations, we can get as close to purchase decisions as possible, but tightly control the variables so we know what's making the difference. All right. So I'm dying to hear the findings. Did the why change messaging beat out the why stay on a renewal conversation? Bottom line is, yes, the why stay framework, the idea of reinforcing their bias towards you, defending that one handily. So there were three big areas we measured favorability, a bunch of questions around satisfaction, favorability, inclination. And in that variable, the why stay message produced a 10% higher favorability rating than the one that came in talking about all the new stuff. I think that's really important because We've been told in this era of provocation-based selling that customers want you to do that to them. And I think it's funny because then when you actually do it to them, they don't seem to like it as much. You don't get the favorability ratings. It turns out when you reinforce status quo bias, meaning document the results that you've achieved for them, remind them of the investment and effort that you've all made together to get this thing up and running and productive identify the progress that's been made and the risk if they would happen to change midstream. There's all kinds of different things that are the exact opposite of the why change story, and it actually makes you more favorable. And then we ask about intention to renew, and that number went to 16%. So now people were 16% more likely to renew in the why stay framework versus why change. And then we ask questions in a category around likelihood of investigating competitive offers, the willingness to bring uh, competitors in. So we ask numerous questions and then aggregate them. That was like 13% 
lower likelihood of bringing in competitors because we want to compare these questions and make sure people are consistent. So the bottom line is if you wanted to bring the shock and awe with your why change provocation story at renewals, you decreased favorability by like 10%, you decreased their intention to renew, and you increased the likelihood of bringing in a competitor. Basically, it backfires. And does that mean that you shouldn't mention anything about new stuff during renewal, just completely excise that? Well, yes, the framework as we introduce it in the book, it lands on the new stuff. So it kind of builds up to the new stuff. It documents results to date in front, creates an anchor effect or a halo around the rest of the dialogue. It talks about the investment and effort made to date because you're sort of building a moat around and showing them why would you want to go through all that again. Eventually, you land on, and here are the new things that are going to continue this progress. Here are the new things that we've covered to make sure you're not falling behind anyone else or anything else in the market. So you get there. Think of it as you close hot with the new stuff versus open hot with the new stuff. We subsequently went and tested different orders of the why stay message because we wanted to make sure we had the most sound order. And um, the framework in the book is not only the winner of the why change versus why stay, it's also the winner of another test where we tried different orders for the why stay message. So what you see has been very rigorously tested and it is a very specific choreography. All right. So we talked about renewals. Let's move to the second conversation, which is price increases. What was the study and what were the findings there? Yeah. So the funny thing is when we released the renewal results, people said, hey, you know what really happens at renewals is we're always trying to get a little bit more margin back because when we got the business, we bought the business. You know, the money used to come in on the front end. Now it's spread out of the life of the contract. And the first contract is rarely profitable. It really is this idea that the second contract now is really when you start to get into money. And so people are like, so we got to pass along a price increase there. So we're like, all right, Let's go back out and do this test. So we used the same simulation, but we recruited different audiences and we used a why change story and a why stay story. The two main contestants in the test were a price increase after telling them what's new and improved. We thought, well, maybe, just maybe, if we lead with the new and improved, they might be more amenable to the price increase. And then a why stay with the price increase on the back end. Then we kind of tested two different types of price increases. One that just simply asked for a 4% increase. And the other that said, due to everything I just told you, the next two years would cost you 8% more. But because you're a loyal customer, you're going to only pay 4%. And the 8% is going to be paid just by our net new customers. Again, an anchor with a justified discount is the concept. So would a straight 4% ask, or would an anchor with a justified discount be more effective? And we tested that on why change and why stay. So I hope people are following. So we tested two types of price increases, but on why change and why stay. And those two types of price increases, just so I got it, is like one is just, hey, it's 4%. The other is ordinarily it's 8%, but since you're such a good customer, it's only going to be 4%. Yeah. The key is the variable was controlled. It always landed on 4%. So we didn't change the number. It's just how you got to the 4% you know, sample size of one. But when someone says to me, because you're such a great customer, we're giving you, you know, the special rate, it's like, you don't even have room to argue. But let's see what happened. (laughs) Well, but some people think that's cheesy, right? They're like, oh, well, that happens in in a department store, or that happens at a car dealership. Uh, That that would never work uh, in business to business settings. Well, it does. So the winner here was the why stay model with the 8% anchored high price increase, and then the justified discount. Guess what other justified discount to 4% performed just as well? 
the timing-based discount. Hey, if you answer by the end of the quarter, people loathe that and they think it's terrible, but people believe it and respond to it because it performed just as well in our study because we tried different justifications. And it turns out, just make it a justification. There's lots of research on justifications that say, you can just literally say because, and people are like, oh, okay. But anyways, the idea here is that the why stay model, the same formula we just talked about, uh, document results, identify the investment and effort made, and then land on some new stuff, and then saying, and this next term, it's going to cost 8% more for those who are buying this solution because of all this newness. It's only going to be 4% for you. It won. And it won handily. And on the same sort of criteria, favorability, it jumped from 10% to like 19% more favorable towards Y-Stay. So in fact, not only was Y-Stay a higher performer, it performed even better than it did in the straight renewal when we did it as a price increase technique. And so now people are looking at possibly using that formula, even when a renewal's not at stake, just a price increase. Like, hey, we got to pass along a price increase, a rate increase. Let's document the kind of impact we've had, the investment that we've all made together. And it isn't even in the moment of asking for a renewal. We're like, hey, this year when you work with us, maybe you're a shipper or something like that, it's going to cost a little bit more, but not as much as our new customers. So we're now seeing this as a not just a renewal with a price increase, but a, literally a framework for price increases. So favorability went up. Likelihood of renewal went up. The likelihood of not looking at competitors went up. So it improved on all three vectors. All right, let's move on to upsells. I think that combines some elements, right, of the renewal discussion and the price increase discussion. Yeah, in this case, when people came to us, they were like, here's the real thing we need to do with existing customers. We all land and expand, and we're really not that great at the expand part. So just renewing how much we landed and charging more for it isn't a goal. Uh, in fact, I think 70 to 80% is what I've seen from analyst firms of companies' targets for a given year are related to existing customer business, keeping and growing. And so upsells are important. And we, we really have three categories that people approach us about. Upsells meaning like upgrades. Gee, everybody's on version 2.0. We need to get them to 10, where they're going to be a risk to be poached by a competitor. Another one is cloud migration. Everybody's on-prem and we got to get them to the cloud. And then the third is classic cross-sell, where we bought a bunch of companies and we want to sell them some other stuff. We built some other products and services and we need to sell them some adjacent stuff. So all of those fit in this motif uh, or this model we call why evolve? Why do more? Why evolve with us together? It's thinking of the partnership and relationship moving on and upwards together. So we were asked that question. We weren't sure. Is it why stay? Why change? Because again, everybody said, maybe that's when you use why change, because you really got to get them to do something different, migrate to the cloud. That's a why change story, isn't it? But we did have a hypothesis after talking to our professors. They said, listen, you should really try a hybrid. The idea of moving somebody to something fairly dramatically different or in addition does require some emotional persuasion, but it seems clear to us that you're going to want to leverage your incumbent advantage, that you're going to want to protect the relationship, remind them of the relationship, leverage the relationship as more of an assurance that this too shall work as well as we've been working together. So let's try a hybrid that builds in some of the documenting of results and reviewing the investment and effort and the positive trajectory and integrates the enough emotional language, enough identification of risk of no change, and, and build a hybrid model. 
which we then called Why Evolve. So we took Why Change, Why Stay, Why Evolve, and we created this upgrade scenario that times were changing and new trends, new competitive issues were surfacing and emerging, I guess is the word we've been using. And you needed to look at what you've been doing in light of what's coming next. So what you were doing was fine for the time you were doing it, but here are the evolving trends, the new things that are happening, and here's the potential risks your business is at, and here's what you need to do next. And so we built uh, three versions of that story, recruited people into this upsell scenario. Hey, you need to buy this upgraded path. And in fact, it was a cloud migration study. And we discovered that it took a hybrid model, that you need a balance of the relationship and the emotion of a why change story to win. In fact, though, second place was why change. The why stay model finished last in this test. And it's interesting to look at that because this is important. This is an existing customer that needs something other than why stay if you're trying to get them to buy something new or next. But you want to use this hybrid model because it materially outperforms the the why change classic provocation-based model. So it becomes a third framework. You need why change for new acquisitions. You need why stay or why stay with a price increase for renewals and price increases. But you need why evolve a distinctly hybrid model that outperforms both of those two in the moment of upsell, upgrade, and add-on. The why evolve starts with documenting the results, just like we heard before. Highlight evolving pressures, so why things are changing. Share hard truths. Emphasize the risk of no change. So here you're actually disrupting the status quo just a little bit. And then finally, introducing the upside opportunity. But what does it mean to share the hard truths? Yeah, so the hard truths are a a unique phrase, right? And here's our explanation. You have an opportunity as someone who's been working with them to have, say, insider knowledge But you also work with other companies that look like them. So we have outsider knowledge. This is how you know what trends are evolving and what's happening. So what you do with hard truth is bring this unique perspective of, hey, we've been working with your organization for this while, and here's other things we've been spotting in the organization. And let us compare that to other companies we're working with on the outside. A competitor can only come in and say, here's some new stuff that we're seeing on the outside. You have this unique spot. And we just, we labeled that moment, that conversation, hard truths. You've earned that right to share some hard truth because you've gone to war together and you also have expertise because you've helped other companies like them in these new areas. That's so rare, by the way. I love when salespeople come to me actually and say, hey, I've observed these best practices, differential ways that lead to success. And you're not doing that. And here's how you should. So I do love that. Right. So I promised four things, which was renewals, price increases, upsells, and apologies. Uh, Not intentional, but I guess I'm going to leave people hanging here and they're going to have to buy your book, The Expansion Sale. We'll have to leave it there. Tim, as always, incredible talking to you. If people want to learn more about corporate visions or if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, corporatevisions.com or look me up on LinkedIn. But yeah, we have all kinds of resources. We have ebooks that summarize this book. If you want to start there, get a taste of it and decide whether or not you want the book, you can get that ebook for free and, and then go buy the book. I'm, I'm, I believe in the abundance mentality, Jeremy. I'm willing to share some of this, spill it, and people can make up their own minds what they want to see next. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. 
The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.